From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. From Snakes and Lattes, Toronto's premier board game cafe, this is the Snakes Cast, a weekly podcast where the game gurus of Snakes and Lattes discuss what it is about games that make them worth playing. With your host, Jonathan Moriarty. Welcome to the Snakes Cast, everyone. We are joined once again this week by award-winning game designer Eric M. Lang. Hello. And head of games department, Colin Young. Hello. And today we're going to talk about something called downtime, which you may or may not have heard of, especially if you're like most Snakes customers, new or relatively new to the whole gaming thing. Uh, For some people it's a problem, for other people it's essential for their enjoyment of a game. Downtime, in short, is time during a game when you can't actually play. Usually that's because it's not your turn like uh, in Monopoly or Trivial Pursuit. You know, if it's not your turn, you're sort of sitting by, you're not doing anything, that's downtime. In charades or taboo, when the other team is playing, that's downtime. Uh, a lot of hobbyist game players who are big on the, you know, the, the heavy duty style games like Settlers of Catan, this sort of thing, uh, they kind of frown on downtime because when they play, they want to play, not wait. So a lot of modern games are designed to minimize downtime. How do they do that? Why do they do it? And how necessary is it? That's what we're going to talk about this week. So, uh, Colin, let's start with you. Is, is downtime really much of an issue for a lot of customers at Snakes? Uh, not with that word attached to it necessarily, but I think that there's definitely an idea that people want a game that's active where they're not sitting around, unless the game is designed to offer up more conversation rather than intense gameplay. So The, the word fast-paced tends to come out a lot. You know, when people aren't quite sure what they want, but uh, we're sort of asking what sort of game they'd like, one of the things that I get told a lot as a guru is, so we want something that's fast-paced. And uh, I think avoiding downtime for a lot of people seems to, at least, you know, perception seems to be you want to avoid that. Yeah, definitely. When anyone uses the term fast-paced, I definitely translate that as something where they want short turns, they want to constantly be engaged in some capacity. Uh, And it's kind of a rebuttal to that kind of classic idea of, some one player taking their turn and taking 20 minutes to make it. <laughs> like, in, like in Scrabble, right? Like in, you guys, so you guys played Scrabble. Mm. There's one person who just takes forever to take that turn. Just slows the game to a crawl. And, and they spell your word. <laughs> <laughs> Love that game. There's, um, there's, uh, there, there's, there's also a. Con- we wanted. I want to do an episode about a condition called analysis paralysis, which is a terrible condition that some game players suffer that makes them just take a long time for their turn. It's gonna be a very long episode. <laughs> I, I can't even think of anything for it. Too many options. Yeah. I, I, Eric, how do you feel about downtime in games? Do you, do you get bored when you're not when you don't get to do anything? Well, so uh, yeah, I have uh, I have a pretty famously short attention span, um, <laughs> and I do get bored very very easily. But um, I personally think that downtime is is a little bit sim- a little bit too simple um, it's I think of downtime as a measure of intensity of a game when you're playing you're either high intense high intensity or low intensity you're really involved you're really engaged with the game whether it's your turn whether it's somebody else's turn or you're on low intensity you don't really care that much and I think um, when when you're at low intensity you don't really care what's going on that's bad that's bad downtime and we'll try to avoid that whenever we can uh, High-intensity stuff where you're involved regardless whether it's your turn or not, that's quality and I think that should, whether it's de- whether it's your turn or not, I think that's fine. Hmm. So uh, obviously the uh, the most extreme form of uh, downtime would be player elimination. Like if you're playing Monopoly or Risk and you've been knocked out or bankrupted, uh, the rest of the game is all going to be downtime for you. 
It's a true fact. You're, you're going to get the sandwiches. The first one out is... Go watch TV. Yeah. Go watch TV. And, it, well, if, if you don't like the game, that might be good. <laughs> Hopefully, though, we're actually going to get you playing games that you do like. That's a That's true why fact. we have a large amount of solitaire games, or we should, I guess. All right, well, here's the thing, though. Uh, downtime is something that, for the most part, only the, the game nerds, the intelligentsia like us, seem to really know much about. Is, uh, is, and, and, and it's also something that we tend to be really bothered by because of the fact that it is the high-intensity stuff that Eric was talking about that we tend to sort of gravitate towards. But uh, what if downtime is really a feature in some ways, not a bug? Downtime's got to be good for something because so many of the most popular games out there have a lot of downtime in them. So what is downtime good for? Why is it good to have some of that in your game? So, uh, some games, in fact, uh, I, that I've worked on, uh, I'm going to use uh, Battlestar Galactica as a big example, mm -hmm. uh, which is one of my uh, favorite games I've worked on. Battlestar Galactica, folks, is uh, one of the more complicated games of Snakes and Lattes. It's also, a, uh, if you're a fan of the television series, a really remarkable work of design in terms of making you feel paranoid. Well, so so that game, uh, so I was a developer of that game, not de not designer, but the design of that game was, uh, e everything about that game was designed around the downtime, much more than the mechanics itself. So we were all, um, during the design of the game, we were always thinking about what are people going to be doing at all times, not when it's their turn. And what every aspect of the game was designed to say, we want this, everything to point towards giving players excuses to accuse each other or defend themselves against accusations of being on the wrong team, Cylon or Human. So in that particular case, if there was no downtime down in that game, it would be a much worse game, in my opinion. Yeah, it would just be about dealing with these uh, these crises and not really bothering to try and figure out whose side people were. Right, it would be a pretty pedestrian, put out fires game, which uh, for for when it says Battlestar Galactica on the cover, that's not what you want. You want a game about paranoia. Uh, so that's we designed it as all around downtime. I'm currently working on a game right now with. Uh, Kevin Wilson, a good friend of mine who designed Arkham Horror, um, that's also designed entirely around downtime. It's designed about what are your players going to be doing when it's not their turn. And the mechanics are about figuring that out. And these, uh, and these games are not uh, sort of the more casual type stuff. These are, these are heavy duty games. These are, these are for, for, for hobbyist games, for sure. Yes, although this next one is actually going to be pretty easy. It's actually designed to be simpler than, say, Shadows or Camelot. Can't wait to see it at Snakes and Lattes. I think the idea, though, is that all of those things are more of a, an industry recognition of something and defining something that happens regardless of the level of play, the level of intensity of the game. And so the idea here is you have a very social setting. So yep. when you have games that require some kind of social interaction uh, or are trying to facilitate that social interaction, typically lighter party games, then absolutely the downtime gives you time to talk about what you're doing, uh, whether you're drawing stuff in Pictionary, whether you're doing X, Y, or Z in any of those games. Whether you want to spectate other people's turns, whether you want to trash talk them, whether, like it's generally, your, your question was, when is downtime a feature, not a bug? Is if you're as invested in the other player's turns as they are, or as you are in their own, or at least if it's relatively close, then it's good downtime. So something like charades, for example. I mean, even when it's not your turn, you get to point and laugh at the people who are acting. Right. And that's, and that's all part of the fun. Right. Um, and, in, and in a lot of uh, really casual type of games, like trivia games, for instance, uh, the downtime is also a feature because that's time when you don't have to focus on the game at all. You can talk about what the kids have been doing at school. You can talk about uh, you know, the football game last night. Right. And actually, in those kind of games, it's decompression. Because in, uh, I'd actually argue in games like trivia games, when it's your turn, for some players, is actually the least fun. 
you're on the spot. You're on the hot pressure yeah. point for sure. Right? Be brilliant or go. Be brilliant or go home. And after that, you get to decompress. But I also love the idea of downtime as a timer, where there, yes, maybe it's one, it's Bill's turn, and there's two other turns before yours. I have that much time in maybe a more complex Euro-style game to figure out what I'm going to do. So if it's the kind of game that requires you to think about what they're going to do on their turn, what you're going to execute, then I think that there's a lot of pressure that's placed on you. And in the right game, that's that's actually a, a very fundamental and fun part of that experience. I suppose so. And, uh, and especially, again, for the hardcore types who really focus on the play of the game. I mean, is, is it really only an issue for them? I mean, if, if you're more of a casual player who's interested in, in, in very gentle, light sort of games, is downtime uh, something that's only a problem if you're into the heavy stuff? I think, I think bad quality downtime is a problem for everybody, whether they're... Uh, whether they're uh, consciously aware of it or not. Um, what, 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 makes, what makes it bad? If you're not interested in the game, if, if, if there's a game going on, it's not your turn, and it's not giving you any reason to be interested, invested, or care, I would call that bad downtime. Hmm. So, for example, um, well, we'll use something without naming any games. Uh, in, in a game, for example, where you have a lot of uh, dudes on a map and, you are, uh, and you're waiting about 15 minutes for your turn and all the only thing that's happening on your turn is somebody else is going to roll dice and kill your guys. I can't imagine what game that would be. I have no idea. I've but that, <laughs> Such a game, you're waiting a long, long time and the only thing that you're, uh, you just get to sit and watch while your guys get beaten up and there's not a lot of reason to talk because the other guys are planning very hard, that's not good, that's not good downtime. Okay, so let's talk about the good downtime. Or uh, we we know how to make it good. We have to make people care about what's going on. Uh, how else can we sort of reduce it and contend with downtime in games? There's there's a few ways to do it. The standard was a lot of party games and trivia games give you a job to do when it's someone else's turn. Like you have to read questions for somebody else, or you have to work the buzzer in Taboo, which is huge fun. Uh, be able to have that buzzer just to go Zzz, as soon as somebody uh, uh, says one of the Taboo words. It's not your turn. Technically, it's downtime but you get to participate. Um, I was always a huge fan of how they did it in Tales of the Arabian Nights. Tales of the Arabian Nights is basically a storytelling game. It's a choose-your-own-adventure type thing where you're a character in the Golden Age of Araby and you're adventuring around having bizarre things happen to you. And uh, so it's, it's just a, really a storytelling game. But uh, what do you do when it's not your turn in that one? I don't think I've ever actually played it. Well, you're the one when it's not your turn telling the story of the other player. So the player will choose what kind of skills they're going to use in certain circumstances when they're moving around the map. But as soon as you see genie and you decide to use grovel or some kind of skill, then the book of magical spells and tales will be in another player's hands and there's going to be a matrix where you have to figure out what your action does. So one player will help figure it out, the other player will dramatically read out what happens when you grovel to the genie and then play continues like that. So you have everyone else participating in the actual storytelling process with your decisions prompting it. And, and even the ones who aren't participating, they get to be the audience in this case. They, they, they get to spectate this, uh, uh, these crazy stories. Um, a, a lot of modern Euro games do this by sort of threading the turns. By instead, a lot can happen in a turn, but instead of I take a big long turn and you take a big long turn, uh, I do a little bit of my turn, you do a little bit of your turn, and so on. Things like worker placement games will do this. Puerto Rico is actually a great example because it's not only are they threading the turns. In games like Puerto Rico, you take part of your turn, and everybody else follows you based on your decision. So they're totally interested and in, invested in your choice because they're going to act based on what you pick immediately. 
that's really involving. Right. Um, and then there's, of course, games where everybody acts all at the same time. Uh, there's, there's the obvious Pits. stuff like, uh, yeah, Pit, Pit is hilarious. <laughs> that's the one where everybody's throwing cards around and yelling numbers at the same time, trading in real time. There's no turns, trying to collect all nine cards the same. It's absolute bedlam, and I love teaching people that game. That game's awesome for anybody who's ever been told their entire life not to speak on other people's terms. <laughs> <laughs> because it's always your turn. It's just so loud. Well, it's nice with the uh, everybody acting at once, because aside from all of these party games, you also have this new trend towards cooperative games. Mm -hmm. So every turn, you may be the avatar, uh, and you may be moving your piece, but everyone else is going to be giving you advice, there's going to be planning. Yeah, because they talking. want you to win. Exactly, mm -hmm. because you win, they win. So everyone, it's every Everyone has their turn because everyone is helping to work everyone else. Combine those two great flavors, by the way, to get a game called Space Alert, where it's a cooperative <laughs> game, where everybody is playing at once and trying to stop a ship that's stranded in space from blowing up, uh, but you do it in real time to a CD soundtrack, and you fail most of the time, but it's so much fun to fail. I hate the fact that we can't play that at Snakes because you need the, uh, the speakers for it, but uh, one of these days we'll come up with a solution for that. And then there's games like Seven Wonders, a drafting game where everybody has a hand of cards. You all pick one, put it face down in front of you, pass the rest to the left, and everybody's picking at once. Or games like uh, Balderdash or Apples to Apples where everybody's choosing or writing something all at once, and everybody's hearing them read out all at once. So uh, it's, it's like you were saying, Eric, you may not be doing anything all the time, but uh, you, you're, you're invested all the right. time. It's, uh... There's something we have uh, that we, do, we call in pretentious designers speak called emergent gameplay, that uh, yes. regardless of how the mechanics you put together are, there's a certain type of natural gameplay that will, that will come out of it. And it is, in many cases in the good games, it is actually engineered. It's just not coming out by accident. Hmm. So example, for games like Apples to Apples, right, you'll notice that when you play the game, everybody's going to place their, their cards and the judge is going to read them. And naturally emerging from that is a what I call the heckling phase, where people heckle, <laughs> they heckle his choices. Come on, you got to pick or, this one. No, you got to pick that one. What, what do you mean these, these two cards don't match? Here's why they should match. That's, that was absolutely in the design. And that's downtime. That's good downtime. Technically, that's downtime. That is the good stuff. Yep. So, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you've enjoyed this introduction to an esoteric element of game design, and uh, we hope that it'll translate into fun for you next time you visit Snakes and Lattes. Until then, I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Eric Lang and Colin Young. Game on. Game, game on. on. And thanks for listening. We'll have a new Snakes cast for you every week at snakesandlattes.com. In the meantime, you can follow us through your favorite social networking sites, such as Facebook and Twitter, or best of all, meet our gurus in person at Snakes and Lattes in Toronto. Until then, this is P.T. Douglas. Game on.